whiskey makes the band sound better Makes your baby cuter Makes herself taste sweeter Oh boy, rye whiskey makes your heart beat loud Makes your voice seem softer Makes the back room hotter with the rise of independent distilleries and specialty cocktail bars, it's no surprise that whiskey sales are booming. In 2014, sales of bourbon and Tennessee whiskey topped $1 billion. But for many curious tasters and adventurous drinkers, the seemingly endless varieties of scotches, bourbons, ryes, and whiskeys can be daunting. And so we're going to be talking about whiskey on today's Please Explain. And we're joined by Heather Green, a spirits expert and author of Whiskey Distilled, a populist guide to the water of life, and by Dr. Renee Hernandez, the founder and owner of Toronto Distillery in the Bronx. Welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Heather, how do you become a certified whiskey sommelier? (laughs) (laughs) Well, the word certified is the operative term there. There is no certification. So, uh, you know, sommelier is essentially a glamorous word for butler uh, with its etymology based in in French. Yeah, which Uh, uh, has to do with beasts of burden, actually. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Interesting. I looked it up. You did? Yeah, I always thought it had to do with wine and it no, has to do it with doesn't. carrying. Yeah, exactly. It has to do with carrying from one place to the other. And um, so when I started out a decade ago, there wasn't really necessarily any kind of certification or class, and there's, there still really isn't. What is whiskey? In what mm-hmm. ways is it different from other distilled spirits like rum, vodka, or gin? Sure. Well, whiskey is a category of spirit. It's a distilled spirit with its raw ingredients made with water, yeast, and grain. So whiskey is uh, takes different forms around the world depending on what kind of grains you use and what other kinds of, um, let's say, uh, casking or government regulations. Uh, for and and another you know something else that to to consider is you know rum is made primarily with sugarcane and molasses. You've got gin and vodka, which can be made with grain, of course, but they uh, have different elements of uh, flavor or vodka lack thereof. Um, whiskey is also very much about casking, uh, matur- what we call maturation. And where does the word whiskey come from? Water of life. It's a Gaelic term. Um, and uh, water was, uh, you know, the use of the term water goes back to probably uh, Aristotle times when they were looking at this clear a liquid coming off, uh, you know, maybe a still and saying, calling it fire water. Well, there's another thing called eau de vie, which is... Yes, they all come from that same sort of, uh, no pun intended, spirit, um, medicinal, you know, thinking that it would, would save lives. There was a medicinal quality to spirits originally is what they thought. But why is some whiskey spelled E-Y at the <clears throat> end and others just with a Y? Well, the, the best theory that I've been able to find on that is that... Um, the Irish and the Americans really just wanted to differentiate themselves from that, that uh, the godfather, what some people would say is the godfather of whiskey, which is Scotland. Renee, aren't you a medical doctor? What led you to open a distillery in the Bronx five years ago? Well, my background is uh, I graduated as a chemist from Fordham University and then went to uh, medical school in uh, Buffalo. And I visited a distillery in Puerto Rico, and I was amazed at what uh, they did a little different to, to make rum different. Um, I took some of the concepts that we learned in in organic chemistry. We researched the law in 2008. The law changed allowing New York uh, to have small distilleries as long as they supported uh, the local farms. If you were a liver or a kidney specialist, do you think you might have uh, still gone into the business? You know what? I love the art of making whiskey. And 
and I, I see myself as an artist, and my canvas is the whiskey spirit medium. So it's not only making um, whiskey out of uh, New York corn, but what we do with the whiskey afterwards to make it smoother, to make it cleaner, to make it, um, to infuse different flavors. Um, I love the whole process and the science and how it tastes and how it makes people feel um, afterwards that um, I think regardless, I think I will be still a distiller in heart. And you said that you set out to make a whiskey using organic corn from New York State farmers? Is there uh, a... Is there a certain we, farm that supplies you with most of the corn? Yeah, we buy our corn from Penyang uh, Lakeview Organic uh, Farms, upstate New York, closer to the Finger Lakes area. And, and again, uh, organic just um, guarantees no pesticides are going to get carried out into the final product. Uh, we do a couple of things a little different. We uh, filter it um, like a vodka twice through carbon filtration, so it makes it even cleaner and smoother product. And we age it. Uh, a little different as well. We go, uh, we think out of the box, not in the traditional barrels, um, and use more like the wooden staves to accelerate the aging process. Uh, it gives it a unique Toronto taste. Bourbon is what's made from corn. Would bourbon you, is made of corn, yes. Would you call what you make bourbon? Legally, we cannot call it bourbon uh, because uh, it needs to be in a new charred American oak cast for a specified amount of time. We deviate from that. So even though it's going to have that bourbon taste, legally we can't classify it as such. Heather, you write mm-hmm. that all whiskey begins as beer. Grains are milled yeah. into powders and soaked in scalding water. Exactly. So whiskey what is a distilled beer. Well, you make uh, you essentially choose your grain, and in the case of um, the fine doctor explaining, he uses predominantly corn. He's making a corn whiskey, um, and what he is referring to, which is uh, what allowed New York distillers to really proliferate over the last decade, is the Farm Distilling Act of 2007 that was passed in New York State, which said that you are now able to make uh, spirits in New York State. Uh, you do have to use uh, local. Um, some portion of your grains must be made local. Um, and uh, it's really been awesome to see the the growth of distilling in New York. All alcoholic beverages require fermentation. In what way is the whiskey fermentation process distinctive? Well, I mean, fermentation, uh, just to just to review for your listeners, fermentation is the process by which yeast consumes sugars and creates alcohol in the process. But yeast, of course, is in all exactly. uh, alcoholic we beverages. Need, yeah, fermentation, we need that for just about, well, we need it for absolutely every alcohol alcoholic uh, spirit that we ingest. So um, all of we always require fermentation. So in that way, fermentation is going to be common through through the spirits that you drink. Um, with whiskey, one of the things distillers can do, or actually any spirit distillers, is pay attention to fermentation times, how long, how short your fermentation times are in the fermentation tank. And what happens during fermentation is we get a lot of uh, flavor development during this process. So um, what they call a lot of the ester, estery uh, kind of aromatics, the estuary molecules, those are sort of the fruitier, maybe some of the apple and the pear, some of the bready, the biscuity flavors is going to happen during fermentation. Renee, you said that you can't call what you do bourbon because of what, uh, you don't use charred oak casks. Um, um, uh, how does that work? What are, what are the differences? Um, well, it depends on how the interaction between the wood and the, and the spirit itself. For example, uh, our fermentation begins with a back-setting method in which we use the acidity to, and the enzymes to break the complex sugars to basic sugars. But then the, with the aging process, 
um, either could use the traditional charred oak, or you could use either oak chips or pieces of charred American oak. That would have a greater surface area interaction with the spirit, would give you the same process at an accelerated rate, but legally, you still can't call it a bourbon because well, it has does, to be classified. Doesn't well bourbon come from the bourbon county of Kentucky? Bourbon actually can be, in order to be called a bourbon, um, you, it's basically, it's a, it's a distilled spirit, it's an American whiskey, and in its mash bill, that means uh, the amount of grain or the types of grain they use, it must be at least 51% corn. Well, why is Tennessee, why is Old Granddad called Tennessee Sour Mash and not that, called bourbon? Great question, great question. Tennessee, so let's back up just a little bit. Bourbon can be made anywhere in the United States, and of course, it's it not like be. champagne, which only can be made in the champagne area. Of, yeah, of it, it's very similar concept. So we're looking at a naming. Now, can you make a style of bourbon anywhere in the world? You could. You can't call it bourbon. So essentially, your bourbon is made with 51% corn. That other 49% uh, grain is up for grabs. Uh, must be charred in oak barrels. Uh, at for a certain amount of time, it can be a blink of an eye or as long as your first marriage, as I like to say. Um, and uh, you are going to you know about my first marriage. Oh, right. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> um, so essentially, you know, these are some of the parameters under which you must call something a bourbon. You can make it anywhere in the U.S. Tennessee um, is Tennessee whiskey is defined. They do something a little extra. They do something called the Lincoln County process. And in order to be called a Tennessee whiskey, you have to then be filtered through maple charcoal filtering process. Is that where all the flavoring comes from, Renee, from the wood or the maple? Well, the, the flavoring you could get from the wood, the charring actually cleans the product, makes it a little smoother. So what we do is we uh, filter our product twice through charcoal, gives it a very smooth product. What you're losing, um, also, you're losing some of that corn flavoring, though. It's which one you, you want to carry out through the final process. Then in the final process, for example, we do El Caribe, which is an infused, apricot-infused whiskey. Well, we add the, the dried apricots within the aging process. That gives it a nice sweetness finish uh, to the whiskey. So you could play with the flavoring at different steps uh, in the process. We have to take a little break. We'll come back with Dr. Rene Hernandez, founder and owner of Trade Day Distillery in the Bronx, and Heather Green, who's the author of Whiskey Distilled, A Populist Guide to the Water of Life. Stay with us for more. Well, show me the way to the next whiskey bar. Oh, don't ask why. Oh, don't ask why. Show me. I go to the bar, I read my coat, I call a bartender, I said, look man, come down here, he got down there, so what you want? We're back with Dr. Rene Hernandez, founder and owner of Terede Distillery in the Bronx. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. And Heather Green, who's a, a spirits expert and author of Whiskey Distilled, a Populist Guide to the Water of Life. Uh, Heather, yes. uh, we've been talking about variations mm -hmm. on the, the process of making whiskey. Right. Can you give me Just the groundwork? original, you know, what, did the Scots invent it? 
The Scots did not invite much to, if you're in Scotland, you can say so, because you wouldn't want to argue with a Scotsman about that. But no, they did not invent whiskey. Really, let's, if we just sort of lay the groundwork for what's going on in the whiskey world and what is it. Whiskey, of course, is that umbrella term. And in America, we have different styles called bourbon. We have got rye. We've got corn whiskey. We've got all sorts of these different kinds in Scotland. We've got scotch and Irish whiskey, of course, is made from Ireland and so on and so on. And then the Japanese who try to make scotch wound up with Suntory. um, Well, actually, the Japanese have been making whiskey since uh, the 1920s. Um, and what they did was they've been really perfecting on the Scotch, the Scottish model, I think, and really kind of taking that to two levels that have been winning lots of awards in, in aromatic and taste tests. So um, I love Scottish whiskey. I'm a huge fan of it and Japanese. And but what, where, where did it start? Do we know? Um, well, we've got, I mean, we know that the, uh, in that there were, you know, the first written records are very different than what probably really happened. And when we look at the history of distillation, it probably, or it could have happened in many different places at once. And people are always trying to figure out when those, you know, we want to know exactly when distillation happened. But you know what? We just don't know. We have some um, indication that it was happening in, in third century Alexandria, Egypt. Uh, some will say it was more in the seventh century in, in Arabian countries out there. Um, and, or, and now me, the banned in many of those countries. Ironically, yes, they were probably the ones who. Um, there were some scientists, some alchemists, who probably really perfected the art of distilling in about the seventh century, and so we start seeing now with this proliferate. You know, we've got a lot of rules and regulations, and uh, bourbon is probably the most popular style in the United States. And what the doctor's doing is really what's very interesting now is what he's doing is pushing those boundaries of whiskey. He's saying, okay, we're not going to call ourselves a bourbon or rye. We're going to accelerate aging. We're going to have some experimentation. We're going to use some different herbs. And uh, I guess he did you say apricot you're using was it? Yeah. So yeah. Actually- so. We're actually infusing apricot. So they're doing things that are very untraditional, and and that's it. And in terms of uh, the question of flavor, um, that changes. I know you'd asked about the flavor profiling. Um, In Scotland, uh, the Scotch Whiskey Association has said that about 75% of the flavor will come from wood. Over here in America, uh, they lower that number down to about 50% with the other being grains. And wines also often get much of their flavor from the kind of cask that they are uh, that they're in uh, French oak or American that will oak affect flavor but what's very interesting about wine the difference between wine and whiskey is that with wine you really don't want to mess with the original flavor of the grape it's really protecting that with whiskey we play with it we have a call from Jim from Denville New Jersey hi Jim you're on the air Jim are you there yes go ahead oh hello uh, I'm wondering what the um, vodka bottles in particular, I see that it triple distilled, distilled five times, things like that, and I'm wondering mm-hmm. what that means. Distil- well, with okay. the distillation, every time you distill it, you concentrate the amount of alcohol. So it, it depends on your still, it depends on your original alcohol content in your mash. So, for example, for us, in one run, we could probably get it to about 75 80% of alcohol. If you want to concentrate that, we run it again, we could get it about 95%. Um, and the, that, wait, and that is, that's what the proof is all about when you have something that's an 86 proof or a 100 proof whiskey? Well, 86% will be, let's say, that you could double that and it'll get you the proof. So, let's say if it's 50% alcohol, it'll be 100 proof. 
So there, what he's referring to is ABV. So if it's 50% ABV, you double it. And distillation is simply the process of heating a liquid to, to create steam and then condensing. Now, medicinal alcohol is pure alcohol. Uh, that would be perhaps 200 proof? That, that would be pretty much, yes. But that 100%. wouldn't have any flavor. No flavor. It would be extremely strong. It's uh, pretty intolerable to the palate. Rock gut. <laughs> and uh, and you uh, wouldn't be putting all of that stuff that you put in yours. You have, uh, I gather, in one of your varieties, you have it, it's described as having a bacon barbecue finish. Well, Are you double- actually throwing bacon in? No, what we do is we take the, the double gold, uh, we run it through one aging process, we stop it and run it again through the same aging process. So it picks up that almost that barbecue bacon finish just from the wood itself. Uh, so... Uh, Different people do double distillations and triple distillations, other? Well, yeah, distillation, uh, if you think of what distillation does, it's, um, as the doctor said, it, it does purify the liquid. You're basically stripping. The more you distill at the higher temperatures and the more you're, you're stripping it. So at vodka, it's its most extreme. You know, you're going to be distilling it enough where there's a lot of uh, flavor and aromatics taken out of that. So, well, um, But, yes, distillers will play with how they distill, the type of uh, distillation equipment they will use, and things like that. What happens when a whiskey is vatted or batched? Um, well, a vatting refers to, well, it's, it's, you know, it's, these are kind of, uh, no pun intended, liquid terms. There's no uh, definitive regulation that's saying what you can call a small batch, what uh, small distillers, everything they do would be called small batch because just they're small companies. And then there are these terms like single barrel and mm-hmm. single cask. That's all part of the same thing? Well, no. The word single is very confusing when it comes to whiskey. When we're talking about single malt scotch, just to make it confusing, single refers to one single distillery. When we talk about single malt uh, American whiskey, that single refers to malt, s- single grain, 51% barley. Uh, single barrel would mean whiskey taking out, being bottled out of one single barrel. So we get a lot of different definitions of single. Now, Renee, in what ways is a smaller independently produced whiskey like yours different from mainstream brands like Jack Daniels? We try to push uh, the boundaries uh, a little bit further. Um, Each distiller, for example, when I started, there was only 13 distilleries. Now there's about 70 in New York State alone. So each distiller does things a little different. uh, To give you a particular profile that will be particular to that uh, distillery itself, whether it is infusing different flavoring at the end, whether it is, for me, it would be the filtration and the aging process is a little unique to us, uh, whether it is the distillation columns and where we make the cut, meaning keeping the body of, uh, of the distillate versus the head and tail. Some people will put the head and tail back in, other people will just redistill a little later. So every distillery will do something unique to them. Now, Heather, you've written that your nose Mm -hmm. is your very best friend when it comes to whiskey appreciation. Mm -hmm. But what about color? Color is important. When I evaluate a whiskey, I'll look at the color. And it it can often be a hint as to what I will be... experiencing as I as I drink a whiskey, but not always. So um, color, for example, if I'm drinking a single malt scotch and I see a dark 
rich, viscous looking whiskey. I'm going to probably think it's an old whiskey, possibly sherry finished, an old sherry. Now, what does that mean? They stick sherry into the whiskey? Well, when you make whiskey uh, over in in Scotland, and you can really do this anywhere, once you uh, age it in an oak barrel, you might take it out and finish it, as in put it into another cask. For some flavor. So sherry butts from Spain have been used for a really long time in single malt scotch, and they will impart sort of a raisiny, um, kind of a fig, dark jammy uh, quality to a whiskey that will also give it a little bit of a darker color. Renee, you say on your website that you use a backseat method to give your whiskey a richer corn taste. What does that involve? method is, um, again, we don't heat up the mash. We use the acidity to actually break down the, uh, the complex sugars. We run it once through the distillation process, then we put it right back into the corn. Um, it makes it a little bit more acidity. The, the, filtration, the fermentation um, can run a little bit longer, and it will almost give a uniform taste to the end product of the, the whiskey. Now, with wines, we often talk about pairing with food. Mm-hmm. Doesn't whiskey kind of dull the taste buds? I've always wondered about those chefs who mm-hmm. drink a, a sh- some whiskey before they start cooking. Wouldn't that be counterproductive? Um, well, you are, of course, going to be a little bit more cautious with how you pair whiskey with food. So what you want to look for um, when I'm pairing with whiskey with food is, I mean, there's certain meals that kind of hold up better to it, like, of course, uh, meats, anything with fats or fatty acids, proteins, things like that will work really, really well with whiskey. Um, we're looking for as well the smells that are going to co-mingle. Um, and then the approach is very different. So in with whiskey, we don't have as much acidity in our whiskey as we would with wine. And that acidity is what makes food pairing so wonderful. So we're just a little bit more careful with how we pair and the types of foods uh, that we do pair it with. And I would say the only kind of food that I don't think uh, really lends itself well with whiskey or some high acidic tomato base, maybe Italian kinds of things like that, salsas. Um, you know, we want to just sort of uh, look at the region from which that p- particular whiskey came from. So, you know, bourbon tastes great with barbecue. And, and Renee, what do you recommend uh, for pairings with your product? You know what, uh, with El Caribe, the Tirado El Caribe, we usually call that a dessert whiskey. Nice cheesecake and a nice chilled glass of El Caribe. As you are watching... Cheesecake and, and, and bourbon? And, uh, and our Tirado El Caribe. We can't call it a bourbon. Oh. So we, we call that our uh, dessert whiskey. Uh-huh. And is it sweet? Because some uh, whiskeys get rather sweet. That particular whiskey, because of the infusion of apricot, is sweet. Uh-huh. So he's infusing nice different flavors drink. into his whiskey. N- now, uh, often whiskeys are mixed in mixed mm-hmm. drinks. There yes. are some, I remember uh, I knew a bartender who looked down upon that concept. He said, I don't do mixed drinks. But um, are there certain things that uh, really work well? With oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, I think one of the reasons for the resurgence of whiskey in America are uh, because of these amazing uh, bartenders and mixologists who have taken the beautiful array of aromatics and different styles of whiskey from around the world and really teased them out and then created these gorgeous cocktails with them. So especially in New York, I mean, there's just so many places you can go in New York and experience that. And when you have tastings at your distillery in the Bronx, Renee, do you uh, also do mixed drinks? Uh, 
we actually, one of the common ones that we've served is the, the double gold, the Toronto double gold with passion fruit juice. It's a one-to-one mix, very delightful, very Caribbean. The other one is the Toronto Belmont Jewel, which is two ounces of lemonade, one ounce of pomegranate juice, and an ounce of the double gold. Again, a very delightful drink. And again, it depends what the customer wants. If you're a purist, you're just going to have your whiskey neat. Um, if you want to experiment with different flavors, we also have an infusions. Uh, we, do whisk, we do cinnamon infusion, mango infusion, apple infusion, and all of those impart a different taste to the product itself. Heather, one of the most fa- popular mixed drinks is a margarita. Mm-hmm. Is tequila a whiskey? Um, tequila is a distilled spirit. It is not a whiskey. It is actually a spirit made from the agave plant. Um, like I said, we need to have some. Well, we need to have some sugar source to create with uh, our spirit and, and tequila. But it's, it's not a wine either. It is not a wine. It's an agave-based spirit from Mexico. My thanks to both of you for being on our show. Heather Green, her book "Whiskey Distilled: A Populous Guide to the Water of Life," it is published by Avery. And Dr. Renee Hernandez, founder and owner of Toronto Distillery in the Bronx. It's been a pleasure having you on today's Please Explain. Thank you.